all right, all right, all right. Welcome back. If you're a veteran and you're struggling or feel like you are leading a path towards the darkness, stop and think about those who are around you. Think about how they truly value you, how they will miss you. You are not alone. You need to talk to someone. Someone will listen to you. If you feel like you'll be a burden to someone or you don't feel like you should weigh that, put that weight on your inner circle. Call the hotline at 988 and take option one. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. It's the underscore Misfit Nation. This will keep you up to date with our latest news, episodes, and of course, our great guests. Speaking of which, our next guest is a vitality expert. He has worked with thousands of individuals over the last 20 years, supporting them to go beyond the limitations of healthcare in the spaces of movement, systemic health, and mental well-being. He has a thriving private practice, teaches online courses, and is the author of the book Healthy to Vitality, which will be published in December. So without further ado, the Misfit Nation welcomes Matthew Labosco, vitality expert, movement and mindset specialist, and of course, author of the soon to be released Health and Vitality book to the Misfit Nation. How are you, Matt? I'm doing awesome, Rich. Thanks so much for having me. Great yeah, to be I'm, glad I'm glad we're finally able to get together. We had some hiccups this week, but uh, communications is part of life and uh, <laughs> we, we battled through it. We did it, man. We did it. Yeah, we won somehow, and uh, that's the way we do it. So, so, Matt, I know you have a, a deeper story that uh, goes way back and uh, it has to do with a lot of surgeries and such. If you want to go back as far as you want to go and uh, tell us a little more about yourself beyond the little blurb I just did to let the audience know a little more about you and uh, how you got to where we are now. Yeah, sure. I, 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 my journey really started um, in, I would say, high school sports. Uh, I was I grew up. Pretty big family. I'm a Jersey boy, four out of five kids, um, and had a, a, a dad who was a doctor. My mom was a nurse practitioner, so really grew up in the medical model. And uh, obviously, a lot of perks to to growing up in in the medical model, direct access to things. And uh, as a three sport athlete, I had a lot of injuries. Um, and uh, you know, having direct access to to uh, the medical field like I did, I mean, I got care quickly and, you know, the best that uh, the healthcare model had to offer. And, and, it, and, it, and I'm not going to say it didn't help because it definitely got me, you know, inched me to the next part of my journey, um, got me through high school sports almost. Uh, the first injury I had was my elbow as a baseball pit. I played baseball and my elbow got trashed basically by the time I was a freshman in high school. And then, um, had knee problems and ankle problems, elbow problems continued, um, had to stop playing uh, soccer uh, when I was a junior in high school. And then my senior year in, co senior year in high school, uh, we were defending state champs. And so I went back to try to finish my senior year playing basketball and uh, my ankle didn't make it. And about a month short of uh, the end of my high school career, I, I got hurt and was 40 points shy of scoring a thousand points in high school. So it was a pretty rough, rough end to the high school sports career. And so, you know, I, I, I kind of started to 
figure this out. Like, what's wrong with me? Why am I keep breaking down so fast? So I dove into sports, conditioning, physical rehabilitation like a madman. Um, I mean, I spent a lot of money I didn't have to learn from the experts in the world and become a fixture at pretty much every uh, sports guru, sports conditioning, Olympic training. I mean, you name it, I was there. And I got to a level of um, health, um, quote unquote, that I never reached. I was, you know, I was probably in my early 20s, um, a Jersey boy, so I can call myself. I was definitely a Jersey meathead. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was probably weighing in about 210, 215 and, you know, 8% body fat and really looked the epitome of health. And I'll never forget the day um, I was in Upper East Side working out with a buddy of mine uh, in New York. And I was, we were going for PR on the military press and I was feeling really good. I felt like, man, I, I, I feel like I've gotten so much stronger with my body and went to do this PR in the military press to press this. It was about 315 pounds uh, over my head. And I run racked that bad boy, pressed it over my head. And man, I felt like I, I've arrived. I, I finally have overcome all of the brokenness, right? Took three steps away from that bench, Rich, and my whole right arm went and I couldn't move. Oh man. It was dangling. Like I couldn't, it was, it was horrible, horrible pain. And obviously quite a, a, a disappointing moment would be one way to put it. Um, you know, it's like talking about getting punched in the gut. And, you know, at that point I had my orthopedic uh, surgeon's number on speed dial. So I, I called him up and got in to see him that week and was expecting like to go in for another surgery on my elbow. I, I was convinced that I really destroyed this thing. And uh, that what he what he said to me that day changed my life and set me on the trajectory that I uh, and led me to where I am today. And after he did his x-rays, evals, did all the things, came into the office, I'm anxiously waiting. Tell me what's wrong with me and tell me how you're going to fix me, right? Like, please tell, give me the label so I know what's wrong with me and then do the thing that's going to fix me. Um, and he said to me, he said, uh, yeah, I don't see anything wrong with your elbow. And I was like, how? I was just so baffled by it. I'm like, how could you possibly say there's nothing wrong with my elbow? Your machines can't tell me what's wrong. So therefore there's nothing wrong. And so for whatever reason, in that moment, it hit me like a, like a two by four. Right. And it, it dawned on me like, wow, these guys don't have all the answers. Um, and it's unfair for me to, to expect that they would. I mean, we're talking about a really intricate, complex system here. And to, for me to demand them to tell me what's wrong with me and fix me um, just occurred to me as completely crazy. And so it set me on this trajectory, Rich, uh, of questioning everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. Uh, every uh, truth accepted truth inside of the health model I questioned and it started with the physical realm and really wanted to understand well what where did this exercise come from why do we rehabilitate people this way why are we telling people their core is weak and that's why their backs hurt um, why do we have people doing these dead bug exercises to help with their back pain why am I doing these things to help me prevent ankle sprains like I just went I was the annoying kid the annoying person in every seminar because I I was the five-year-old kid or my five-year-old at least that asked why at least 80,000 times <laughs> to every, every question. And so I became yeah. that kid. And what I found was a lot of what we're basing these health recommendations on are really flawed. 
in two ways. One, they'll never create vitality. And to me, what's vitality? Vitality is exuberant health, mental wealth, you know, mental, um, you know, exuberance and, and fulfillment and extracting every drop of life out of life. When you look at the definition of health, health is the absence of disease, the absence of illness. And so if this whole model is based on the pinnacle where it can take me is not being sick, please tell me there's something better. I don't want to be a part of a model that the best they can offer me is not being sick. And so that's why I started to ask and really discover that a lot of these things that we just have accepted as healthy, they might keep you from getting sick. Turns out they won't. Um, but they definitely will make you dependent on the system. That's for damn sure. Um, and so I dove into that first space of physical well-being and then discovered a lot of the foundational truths that we've all accepted, I would say, as a, as a society are actually unsubstantiated and will just create dependency and never create vitality. But I also found that nutrition or systemic care space. And I also found it in the mental well-being space. All three, all three systems created dependency and would never deliver vitality. And so that's the last 22 years, honestly, um, starting with my own journey and then working with thousands and thousands of people to break free of this health paradigm. Um, why I say, you know, we all need to stop trying to be healthy and uh, we need to start creating vitality. That's outstanding. Yeah. And also, I'm also a Jersey guy too. So oh, you are nice, man. <laughs> we both have uh, vowels at the end of our name, so I'm, I'm sure we're, we're intertwined somehow in there. Uh, I I was born and raised there, and then joined the military. I left there in '93, uh, and uh, I haven't moved back. My family's still up there. My dad and brothers and brothers and sisters still live up there in Bloomfield. We're, so. we're in Jersey. They're in Bloomfield. I, I grew up in Jersey City. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was in East Brunswick. Oh, okay. Decided to join us. I hope that's okay. That's fine. Yeah, dogs are awesome. <laughs> I can't have mine. I have four of them. They they go nuts in here. So, <laughs> I, I, I have his little spot next to me for those of you that are watching. I have a little spot for him right there. He'll he'll settle in in a second. <laughs> you let himself in. That was nice. Good. Yeah, pretty smart. <laughs> so I was noticing on your bio, there's a thing that said, "Why is trying to be healthy actually trying to kill yourself? Uh, how can I actually kill you?" Oh, um, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the idea of um stop trying to be healthy so what's an example of that um we sacrifice a lot of vitality to try to be healthy and and i would say the simplest way to put it is the way our model and system is set up is to benefit from people being sick right nobody makes any money unless people are sick Exactly. And so and so our system isn't it hasn't been designed to keep people thriving. It's just to keep them above baseline. And and it's so easy for us to fall below that baseline and oh my god, we needed the next medication, we need the next thing to be dependent on, right? And the best business you could possibly create in our world is not curing anybody of anything. It's keeping them dependent on, you know the pill they'll need to take for the rest of their life because clearly they're broken or there's something wrong with them. And our machine tells us that you have this problem, but don't worry, we have this solution. And so 
we're, we're, we are, the, the analogy I can give you, and actually I have this in my book, I'm pretty sure, it's like our society is poisoning a tree slowly. And every part of the tree is suffering. And instead of not poisoning the tree, we create ways to treat every single part of the tree. We have the branch doctor, we have the bark doctor, we have, you know, the big branch doctor. And then, but, but if you're really in business, you got to find your niche. So I work with branches that are between the age of 30 and 33 and have no taller than five foot six. Like, <laughs> we'll, we're going to niche it down because you got to niche, man. If you don't niche, you don't get rich, right? Like, right. This, is the, this is the new marketing thing. And so, we're attacking the the littlest microscopic part of the tree that's being infected by the fact that the entire culture that this tree is living in is toxic. And the best thing that it will do is give you strategies to cope, manage, numb, but you're never going to thrive. And, and to me, that's death, man. To me, that's, that's dying. It's, it's like the walking dead. Um, because we're, we're disconnected from ourselves because it's too painful to be ourself, whether it's mentally, emotionally, or physically. And we're in an environment that just keeps numbing us. Exactly. When I first retired in 2015, uh, you have to go through the motions of going, leaving the military healthcare system, going to the VA healthcare system. And I went to the big VA hospital in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and I walked in and it was like walking into zombie land. As every other veteran, every other veteran in there was walking in comatose, basically just walking and not really present. They were just there. And the first thing the doctor did to me, didn't look at me, looked at the computer and just uh, went down my symptoms, everything that went through in my 22 years in the military. He said, oh, yeah, I'll prescribe this to you because I take it. I'll prescribe this to you because I take it. And then all of a sudden in the mail, I had a, a box of drugs that I didn't even know what they were. I didn't know what they're supposed to do, what they were for. So I just turned them into the police station. I said, I'm not taking all this stuff. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way I'm going to take this stuff and be like those people I've seen in that hospital. And I just, from that point on, I just went with a, a holistic approach to everything. Uh, do, do my own things to try to make myself better along the way. Good for you, man. That's not an easy thing to do. You know, no, <laughs> uh, it's not at all. It takes a lot of courage and, it's, it's a bumpy road when, when we have to walk that path, especially when we're the first ones to do it. Right. And uh, it was eye-opening to see my fellow uh, brothers and sisters going through that. And that's kind of why I started this show to try to help other veterans and have guys like you come on and give them the, eye, the eye-opening facts that they can do it without big pharma and all that stuff in, in a way. Yeah, man, they, they can. Um, they definitely can. Um, but it definitely takes something to do it. I'm not going to lie. Right. right. It's, it's the thing that the business world, the corporations have is, hey, take this pill and you'll feel better. Right. At least temporarily, or at least you'll be, won't feel the pain. Or you can go down this path of self-reflection and connecting to yourself and getting really in tune with what's happening inside of you. Or you can go down that path. Right. <laughs> it's like, uh, how many weekends am I going to have to give up for that? <laughs> I'll take the bill. <laughs> you know, I don't blame people. I don't blame people. I mean, anybody that does anything to eliminate pain, I don't give a shit what it is. I, I, I will never be mad at you because I don't know a human on the planet that doesn't 
will do, will do will, that won't do anything to eliminate pain. So I don't care what you're doing to eliminate pain. Like I understand. And I hope because of people like you, Rich, and, and I'm, you know, hopefully making a small impact in the same space as you is just letting people know that it doesn't have to be that way. You know, right. um, there, there's another way to do it. And yeah, it's, it's work. I'm not going to lie. It, it, it's work, but here's the key, man. And this is how I would invite people to evaluate it. Don't look at it. What's, is it more work? Is it easier or harder? Evaluate, is it worth it? Because anything that's worth it usually takes a little work. So if it takes a little bit more work, ask yourself, will it be worth it? Okay. Do you want the quick fix that'll hide hide the, the symptom now? Or do you want to go down that marathon and try to fix it on a different path and, and try something different than the, is the socially accepted way of doing it. So, yeah. So, and I think that's a, what you learned on your journey of these, uh, these last two decades of, uh, after multiple, uh, surgeries and I know surgery sucks. I've only had one and thank God, but, and that was in a, in a horrible place in Afghanistan, but (laughs) it wasn't worth it. Well, it's kind of worth it. I guess it was my knee. So, uh, Maybe it was the equivalent of my five. <laughs> it, it was a weird. It was a weird night. Thanks to Johnny Taliban, but <laughs> but one surgery, five surgery, any amount of surgeries, it it takes time to come back from either every one of them. And you had five, probably in a pretty condensed period from high school to your college years there. So you were able to realize, hey, something else needs to happen, and bound. And you did all your research. You almost you probably could have got a PhD with all the research you did to to move forward and, uh, and get all this stuff going. What are some of the wins that you've had with your thousands of clients or from the early clients to the ones you have now? Honestly, my, my, my biggest win with any client is getting them to stand on their own and not need me anymore. Um, you know, like that is one thing I would thank my first mentor for. I, I cherish him and what he's taught me. He taught me how to think. And one of the things he taught, taught me, when we, we started our little clinic together in Los Angeles, he said, Matt, our goal is not to put people on our 401k plan. All right. And I go, A freaking men, dude. Like, I'm in the right spot. And so when I think about the people that I've worked with over the years, you know, I still am connected with them. I still am in touch with them. But they're doing their thing, man. They're, they're out there living their life to the fullest. And yeah, sure. I played a small role in that and maybe helped them to get to that point. But to me, the, the, the mark is to get people to stand in their own strength and be interdependent with the, with the world and be a contributing member to society. And to me, it's an overcorrection is going from, from going all the way to independent, going right to, de- I'm going to be independent I think that's a little, it's an overcorrection. We have to learn how to work with each other in our environment. We want to be interdependent, right? right? And, you know, so any way I can, I can contribute to that process for somebody, man, that's a win for me. That's a win for me. That's awesome. And uh, I'm sure it, as much as uh, you don't want them to come back, them actually just reaching out to you and say, Hey, I'm still doing good. That's, that's a great day for you. And it shows that what you showed them, it resonated and it got yeah. them moving, moving in the right direction. I think of it like getting it, getting into more of a mentoring role right. with people as opposed to like a coach, you know, like to me, a coach is, I'm, 
you were my basketball coach. You got to show me how to shoot. You got to show me how to dribble. You got to you got to teach me the rules. Like, like I'm, that's high touch, man. And, and sure, when I work with somebody one on one, it's high touch in the beginning because there's a lot of things I want you to learn. But then it's like go go. You're gonna learn most of this not from me, but by going out in the world and playing with this stuff and coming back and saying, Matt, I tried X, it didn't work. The spin move you taught me keeps getting blocked. It's like, all right, well, let's, let me, let me teach you another way to do it. Now go back out there. Right. And then eventually it goes into, Hey, Hey, if you, if you need someone to talk to and you want to bounce something off me, or you want to take something to another level, give me a call, you know? Right. Um, but I don't want anybody to say, Oh my God, I, if I don't talk to you next week, I don't know if I'm going to make it through my day. I won't make it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. man, that's a, that's a big red flag. Like, am I really helping this person? Is or have you just dependent on me? Yeah, have you just become that niche too? Niche yeah, form? <laughs> exactly. And maybe that's bad business, man, but I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. It never has. It, well, it can't be bad business with the number of clients that you've had. So. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah, something's, I guess, working. There's something another, has to be working on the outside there. Unfortunately, so Rich, there's not a shortage of people suffering in the world. Right. That's another big uh, red flag. There are the numbers that are suffering and it will continue to happen until we write the ship somehow. Amen, man. Yeah. At least change the trajectory, right? Yes. <laughs> it was one of those rockets they used to shoot asteroids, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> we got all that technology. We should be able to help help some other people out. <laughs> uh, we talked earlier about back pain, and I think that's a, a number one killer for a lot of people that wake up in the morning, step out, and, oh, my back, I'm going to sit back down. What do you think is the cause for so many people to have back pain? Yeah, so I would say there's there's three contributors, okay? And this is true for any human being on the planet that has back pain. There's three contributors, okay? There's the biomechanical reality of what's happening with their spine and, and, the, and what's called the kinetic chain, like how they move is influencing the back pain. The second thing that is influencing their pain is what's happening systemically, because if they are, see, I understand something about the systemic system of the body. Healing is low on the priority list. Okay. I'll give you an example. If, if I came to your house and there was a fire in the living room and the plumbing was out in the kitchen, are you calling the plumber or the fire department? Probably the fire department. I hope so. Right. <laughs> and so the body, <laughs> yeah, the body doesn't care if right. the plumbing isn't working. So, because it can survive with bad plumbing, it it's, can survive a little inflammation, a little back pain in the back. It can survive with, you know, not being able to digest my food. You know, you know what I mean? Like there are certain things that it can survive with. And so it puts healing on the bottom of the list, recovery, regeneration. So if my systemic system is in survival mode, meaning I'm not giving it the resources it needs to operate at a, at it, we'll just call it a baseline level. It's in survival mode. If I'm putting things into it or doing things to it that are creating stress on the systemic system, then my system has to constantly manage that healing. The back pain is irrelevant. Who cares? Right. And so there's a hierarchy in the body and survival's top thriving is not the key, is not the top priority. It's survival. So systemic is a variable. And then the last one is mental emotional. I mean, I know a lot of us could relate to the fact that, you know, my back hurts. Somebody comes over, puts their arm around me and says, hey, man, I got you. And all of a sudden my pain goes away. Right. And so there's the mental and emotional variable here. OK, so just just to just to start there. But let's assume that it's mechanical. 
So we'll, we'll take the easiest of the three because I, I, I will tell you that mechanical back pain is by far the easiest to fix, by far. And if someone comes to me with back pain historically and, um, you know, I go through a pretty thorough evaluation to determine which one of these threes is the big driver, because um, if, if the biomechanical, I call it the big rock, if the biomechanical piece is the big rock, then you're going to think I'm a superhero because I'm, I can, I'm very good at the me mechanics and it's very objective. It's physics. If someone's low back is hurting and it's mechanical, it's because the forces of life, gravity, ground reaction forces, mass momentum are not being attenuated through the spine. They're getting caught in the spine. And that's because other parts of the body are not doing their job to, to put it as simply as I can. And so there's an evaluation that I can go through to, to determine that. Now, so let's assume that it's biomechanical, okay? So sorry, Rich, I know <laughs> these answers aren't always so simple, but I just want to give your audience, you know, there's no like, hey, do this thing and your back pain will go away. Um, in certain scenarios, yes. But I would say from a mechanical standpoint, the I would say the number one reason what people have back pain has nothing to do with their back, regardless of herniations, da-da-da-da-da, blah, 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 blah. I've had people come into my clinic and in their x-ray and MRIs, there are words on it that say obliterated. I'm going to forget that one I saw. It said obliterated. Wow. And they were talking about one of their vertebral bodies. Um, and that obliterated vertebral body had nothing to do with the pain that they were in. So that's the assumption that's made. It's called the picture problem. Malcolm Gladwell actually wrote a phenomenal article for the New Yorker called The Picture Problem. I won't go down that rabbit hole. But he talked about we're able to see things on an image. And then we assume that what we're seeing is the cause. That's a big, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a leap, right? And so what I see so much, especially with spine problems when it comes to mechanics, is we see an x-ray. Oh, you have a herniated disc. So the assumption is, oh, that's why you have pain. I would say, in my experience, 90, I would say at least nine, 90 out of 100 people, it has nothing to do with it. Wow. It has to do with the, you're looking at the result of a force distribution problem that had the disc slip, but that's not why the person's in pain and, and putting the, putting the disc back or fusing it, 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 it doesn't, we're, we're, we're so, we're hitting the bullseye on the wrong target, <laughs> right? And so you have to look at it from a movement standpoint and be like, why is the back being asked to do something it wasn't designed to do? But then right. you have to understand chain reaction biomechanics. And this is the fundamental flaw with our health model is all of physical rehabilitation and, and that the, whatever it is, whatever, whatever space traditionally that does physical rehabilitation, it's built on cadaveric anatomy. So we study a dead person, we look at the musculature of a dead person, and then we come, we create conclusions about how those muscles work on a live operating human. And we say the bicep flexes the elbow, the hamstring flexes the knee, not on, a, not on a human, not on someone who's actually in the world functioning. The muscles don't do that. Again, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But, but um, so what's causing people's back pain? I'll tell you that it, nine times out of 10, it's their hips are not symmetrically attenuating load away from the spine because we all sit too much. The musculature of the hips are, are so tight and restricted. Um, and I think that's not that uncommon out there. 
I think there are some people out there that are understanding that back pain has nothing to do with the back. Um, but I would say their hips are definitely the first place to look. Um, and then the foot and ankle and the thoracic spine, I call them the power regions of the body. And when you get those regions of the body to do their job, they take the pressure off of all of the areas in between the knees, the low back and the neck, um, because they're the parts of the body where we are designed to get rotation from. That's the thing about the lumbar spine is it's not designed to rotate. It's not very good at rotating. It's good at extension and flexion. It's good at lateral movement. It's terrible at rotating. If you summate all the rotational capacity of the lumbar spine, it's like 13 to 16 degrees, depending on which literature you look at. But that's why it sits on this massive ball and socket joint, which is a huge rotator, right? But if you eliminate the rotational ability of the hip, you ask the lumbar spine to rotate more than it's designed, it gets pissed. And so a lot of low back pain is actually some of the simplest things to help people with. And a lot of times you don't even have to touch them. You just have to teach them how to, how to create access in the hip, hip, hip muscular hip region and teach them how to work, teach their hip to work with their spine. And unfortunately, a lot of the traditional exercises do the opposite, um, which again is why I say a lot of this health model isn't helping a lot of people because you do the rehab, you do the dead bug exercises, you do the, the back extensions. Oh man, it doesn't work. It must be your herniated disc. We'll do a couple injections. We'll yep. see if that helps. Oh, the first cortisone shot helped. Man, it was a miracle. Oh, I think I'm ready for the next one. Get the next one. It works for two days. Oh, sh what happened? I, you know what I mean? This is this is like every the client walks to my office. I hear the same story, and it's like, oh, now they want to do the surgery on me. But someone told me to come see you last resort, right. um, and I'm like, yeah, man, this is nothing. What all the stuff they're treating is nothing to do with your back pain. <laughs> do these three things. I literally had. I wrote about this in my in my in my book. It's a case study. This this young woman, uh, mother of two, owned her own business. Like. I'm very active. She was, I think, a month away from getting uh, some kind of spinal disectomy and tried injections, did all the things. I'm not joking with you, Rich. And it doesn't always happen this way. So, you know, but this is one of those moments where I was like, oh, my God. She came in to do a consultation with me and um, a month away from surgery. And I took her, explained some of the stuff to her, watched her move. And I literally taught her to do nothing else, Rich, but I just taught her how to squat properly. Okay. And it's very different than the traditional spot, which is, you know, spine straight, knees over toes and all these rules. I literally taught her how to bend over properly. I'm not joking. Wow. Okay. And I'm not kidding you. That was the only time I saw her. Her surgery was canceled. I still know her. This is four or five years later. Hasn't had back problems since that day. Amazing. That's Crazy. Awesome. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. One consultation. Good. Yes. And, and again, I'm not saying, oh, like, obviously that one stands out because it was very unique, but that was literally, she just was never taught how to properly use. And she was young. She's like, you know, so she always, you always have that going for you, but they were ready to open this girl up. Wow. And that would just led to more and more opening up. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Not saying that they would mess up, but they would mess up in there somehow and oh. cause other problems. <laughs> A lot of unnecessary things going on. Definitely. 
Matt, how does someone get in contact with you to either just chat with you like I am or maybe get in there and get that consultation with you for their miracle moment with you? <laughs> well, I mean, you can, I mean, you can definitely find me on my website, MatthewLabosco.com. Um, I do have a book that's coming out um, at the beginning of December, actually a couple of weeks from today, December 13th, my book's coming out. Um, and there's uh, so many resources in that book. So when you buy this book, I, I literally created videos to support the book and all these resources. Like I'm kind of giving you the farm here, <laughs> like just take it, try it, play with it. Um, and yeah, um, obviously I, I do work with people one-on-one. I, I, I even do virtual uh, movement evaluations. I just did something, someone with someone yesterday who had uh, nerve kind of symptoms in her shoulder and her neck. And we walked her through a bunch of things. Um, so yeah, you can, you can access me through MatthewLabosco.com. Um, you can set up consultations and stuff there. Awesome. And the website is going across the bottom of the screen right now. And it'll also be in the show notes uh, when this uh, gets published out. So Matt, thanks for taking some of your time today to share your journey with the Misfit Nation. I appreciate you having me, Rich. No problem. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are 